also want to welcome those who are worshiping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV. That is, you are watching this on our YouTube channel, or you are also listening by uh, podcasts on iTunes or Buzzsprouts. We are truly grateful for the time that you take to listen to the messages and also the testimonies that we hear from you from time to time. We believe that God is doing something new and something fresh, something awesome in this day and age. And so we are very privileged to be alive and we're very privileged to be a part of what God is doing. The devil is no doubt doing his work across the world, but we must understand that we are such a privileged generation to be able to live in these times of deep revelations, deep insight, and also the ability to do the things that the saints of old could not do. That is why we can reach cyberspace, we can through cyberspace reach people across the world very easily. We can through cyberspace reach people who are uh, uh, you know, miles and miles away very quickly and plentifully. And so let us take advantage of these things that God is doing in our times. And let us continue to put the enemy to shame in the mighty name of Jesus. We started a series a few weeks ago, about five weeks, five Sundays now, uh, on victory. We started a series on uh, uh, enjoying divine intervention. And we have been looking at different victories that we get by enjoying divine intervention. At this point in time, that particular series will be coming to an end as we have looked at the various things that God wants us to look at in this time. And today we will be ending the series by the topic, Enjoying Divine Intervention, Victory Over Affliction. Victory Over Affliction. So the series of Enjoying Divine Intervention, God has helped us as we see the banner. We looked at victory by the blood of Jesus, victory over fear, victory over shame, victory over lack. Last week, and today we are looking at victory over affliction. I want to take time to, as much as I know we have time constraints today, but I want to take time to explain certain things to you today that you probably might not have heard in this way. But I just urge that you follow me, take notes, and go over them again. The word affliction is one of the words that believers do not like to hear. And many times when the word affliction is mentioned, the first thing that we think about is the fact that it is of the devil. And very, very true. But to a large extent, we need to understand why God permits affliction. What is affliction? Why God permits affliction? Is there any benefit in affliction? Because God will not do anything to us or allow anything to come our way if it has no benefit for us. Praise the Lord. And so we must understand this. And I believe that as we go through the topic today, the Lord will surely bless us in Jesus' name. The dictionary just makes us to know that affliction is anything that causes or tends to cause bodily pain or some kind of mental distress, some kind of emotional pain. Affliction can be physical, it can be mental, it can be spiritual. We have all the examples in scripture. The Bible says Jesus walked into the temple and he saw a woman that has been bowed down for 18 years. He said, ought not this daughter of Zion be loosed from her infirmity? She was afflicted physically. There was another man called the man from the Gadarenes who was afflicted spiritually because demons were in him. And this man would take stones and cut himself and cut himself. And uh, Jesus spoke to the same man, to to the man, and loosed him of all the demons that were spiritually tormenting him. It's an affliction. And we also know that there is the the, uh, aspect of affliction that is also uh, emotional. 
when there is a pain in the heart. Hannah, the Bible says she cried. She wept before the Lord. She had a pain. Her womb was not bearing forth. And the, the pain she had at that point was also an affliction. So there are afflictions of different types. And we must understand that the devil is always seeking whom to devour. The Bible says he's going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he would devour. So he is the architect of affliction. It is his ploy. His main aim of afflicting people is to attempt to destroy their faith or even destroy their life if he is permitted. Now, while God also afflicts, God also afflicts, but we don't use the word affliction so much. We use the word chasten. When God chastens his children, it is by another form of affliction, by God himself allowing his children to go through a certain kind of pain, a certain kind of discomfort, to prevent them many times from their own self-destruction or the things that they are about to do. How many of us know that when you are telling a little child that you shouldn't touch a hot iron, and every time you, you put the iron down, the child just wants to wander there and touch it. He wants to wander there and touch it. Simply because the child has no understanding that that pressing iron can burn their finger or burn them. Now, do you know that the easiest way to teach them not to touch it is to allow a little heat. Now, not the maximum heat, I beg of you. Allow a little heat to still remain on the plate and then take their finger and let it feel the heat to the point where they will withdraw their finger themselves. You understand what I'm saying? The moment you do that once, you don't need to talk about it again. The next time they see the iron, they will do their finger like this. <laughs> By themselves. Now, at times, that is what God does for us. He allows us. He has been giving all the signals. He has been giving all the warning. This thing is, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is destruction. God doesn't want you to be destroyed. So if he says this is the way walking it and we are refusing, at times he allows us to go a little bit that way of that destruction. Allow a bit of pain that will help us to see that what we are doing is wrong and then we are now able to retrace our steps. So this is, we need to understand the context of affliction in all this. God protects his children out of his sovereignty to make sure that the devil cannot do more than he permits. So I want to quickly tell us about four types of affliction. In my study, I have discovered that several theologians and Bible scholars have looked at the word affliction from many perspectives and they have done a lot of things. But what I have decided to do in my own understanding is to rationalize afflictions to about four different types. This is my own definitions now. You won't find this anywhere because I took time to study, and, and I found that this is how God has allowed affliction and what we must do in understanding the different types of affliction and what we need to do in each case in order to have victory over such affliction. Now, again, when we talk about victory in this case, we are not talking about victory as in making it impossible for affliction to come. This is what we must understand. This is understanding victory from the perspective of how to live in, somebody say live in, and through, and over, afflictions. This is the victory we are talking. The psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is a point of affliction. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he had an understanding. So I want us to look at four ways 
that affliction arises. The first way I'd like us to look at is what I call probation. Probation. This is like a kind of a testing. This is allowed by God to test our character and our faith. Now, the Bible says God does not tempt anyone, but God always proves those whom he calls. At times, he proves them himself. At times, like in the case of Job, he actually allows the devil to test them. Job was a man, as we all know his story, that God allowed Satan to afflict. He only did not allow him to kill him because Job, as far as the devil was concerned, he felt that Job was going to fail God uh, if he was afflicted. But at times, God himself will prove people. Abraham was a man who waited for 25 years to have the covenant child with his wife, Sarah. And after the child was born, God even took another test and said, now sacrifice that child to me. And until Abraham was able to prove that test, we never heard from God that he confirmed that he, uh, he knew that Abraham now loved him until Abraham passed that test. So the affliction by probation, we must understand, it is of God to prove our character and to prove our own faith in him. You must go through it as an individual. You must go through it as, as, uh, as, as, uh, as families. You must go through it as a church. We must go through it as a church. There are certain levels that God will want to take this church to, like I have told you many times over and over, but we have a series of tests that we must pass. And until we pass those tests, we haven't proved to God that we have the capacity. When you are training a professional, a doctor, an architect, uh, an engineer, a pilot, anyone who is to serve, a nurse, anybody who is to work somewhere as a professional, who will take decisions that will affect the lives of people directly, you have to put them through a series of tests. Because it is in their proving of those tests that you can say, now you can take a decision. In my own profession in engineering, you graduate uh, with a degree that gives you the qualification to practice. However, you are never licensed to practice independently until you become what is called a chartered engineer, which is another series of professional competencies you must prove to show that apart from having the theoretical knowledge from school and knowing what engineering entails, you also have demonstrated the depth of what an independent professional should demonstrate in taking decisions that will affect people. And so this is how it is in the spirit. God, in his own wisdom, tests us to see how we are ready to embrace things. Look at what Job 23 verse 10 says. The Bible says, but he knows the way I take. Read it with me. But he knows the way I take when he tested me. I shall come forth as gold. Tell your neighbor, you shall come forth as gold. But be ready for the test. Verse 11. It said, my foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. Verse 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have proved myself to him that I depend absolutely on him. This is what it means. When he said, I have treasured these words of his mouth more than my necessary food, it means that what Jesus passed when he said to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is what God wants us to also pass. 
Are we ready to deny ourselves of the conveniences of life, of the food, of the luxuries of life, just for the sake of his word and the word of his commandments? This is, uh, these are part of the things that we must pass. So afflictions come by way of probation. When you take on a new job in many establishments, you are put, if you take on a permanent role, you are put on what is called a probation. In some cases for six months, in some cases for 12 months. Because they want to be sure. They were sure at the interview that you are a good candidate because you said all the right things. You had the right qualifications. But then they now want to see in the workplace whether you are actually a good fit and whether you yourself will want to be a good fit. Because many times all the niceties and the good things that were discussed in the interviews were not necessarily, are not necessarily the whole picture. <laughs> Never the whole picture. It is day one, day two. In fact, day one is like honeymoon day. Everybody loves you and you are welcome. You are given a cup of coffee before you even ask for one. Then day two, you notice that the coffee came without sugar. And then day three, the coffee didn't come at all. Then you are starting to get the reality of that workplace. And then by, day, by, by month three, you are deciding, is this really where I want to be? <laughs> is this really the job I want to do? And the people who are also working with you are looking and saying, is this really the candidate we want? Can he take the pressure of this place? And so on and so forth. So God also knows how he allows us to get into a probationary affliction. So when we are going through our tests, never let up, don't give up. The Bible says when you are tested, you will come out as fine gold. I decree that you will keep coming out as fine gold. In the name of Jesus. I can tell you from a ministry perspective that a minister must be tested. If you are not tested, you cannot be allowed to handle the next level of an assignment. Because God does not want to destroy you. If you cannot handle five people, why will God allow you to handle 50? They will kill you. <laughs> they will kill you. You will just die. <laughs> so when you see people who are talking to 50,000 people at a time, 100,000 people at a time, I look at a man like Bishop T.D. Jakes who pack 60,000 women. Women, not men now. Women. And this man will talk to their very hearts. It is a grace. But when you listen to his story, he has had so much experiences. He was raised by a single mother. He had aunties and he had a rough background with women. So God used it in many cases while he was growing up to train him to know the psyche of women. What women suffer. That's why it's not easy. Not every, not every person can, can minister in such a way. But if you listen to his story, you will see the different things he had suffered. People like Kirk Franklin, who were, who were left to their grandmothers to raise, where the mother was nowhere to be found. Today, when he sings and he ministers in music, you see the anointing and you see it and everybody likes it. But everyone goes through a test to bring them to that place. Hallelujah. And I pray that God will keep helping us to pass our probationary tests in the name of Jesus. Now, I will gradually start to move into the afflictions that are caused by the devil. The first one is an affliction that is caused by God. It is an affliction because it brings a bit of discomfort. Many times you don't like what you see. Many times you don't like what you are asked to do and the things you are asked to endure. But if you come, if you persist in it, God will bring you forth as good in Jesus' name. The second category of affliction is persecution. Say affliction by persecution. This is the attack of the enemy on believers. 
And his attempt in this case is to dissuade them from the faith. No doubt the devil, the Bible says he's going about seeking whom to devour as a roaring lion. So we must understand that the devil is in serious business looking for whom to devour. Either to kill people or to make sure. You have heard from me, those of you that have been here long enough. I would have died many times, not less than 10 times that I can count to you that I was this close to death. The devil will always, and if I had died at those times, we would not have had this opportunity to meet. But the devil is meaning business. And not only does he use things like death to threaten, he uses things like pain to try to stop believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says, let's read together. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Let's read verse 8 together very loud. We're reading out to verse 10. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, verse 9, but not forsaken. Verse 9. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Joseph was persecuted. This one, this kind of persecution is for those who are standing for integrity. Affliction by persecution is for those who have said, we name the name of the Lord, we want to stand. We saw it in the life of Joseph. We saw it in the life of Daniel. We saw it in the life of Jesus Christ himself. They brought him before Pilate. Pilate said, I have I found no wrong in this man. The Bible says he knew no sin. So why were they persecuting him? But the Bible makes us to understand that it is a type of the persecution and sufferings that believers and those who name the name of the Lord must also go by. We don't have time to look at it in Acts chapter 4 when the, the great revival had begun and the Holy Spirit had been released we heard that the Christians were persecuted. After the, 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 the miracles of Acts chapter 3, the next thing we know is that great threatenings began to come upon the believers and they were persecuted. May God continue to help us to f- overcome every affliction by persecution in the name of Jesus. Friends, what you are hearing in the media against the church is just the beginning. There will be many more things. Go and read your Bible very well. There will be many more things that will be thrown against the saints. Many more challenges that will make it more difficult for the believers to be able to excel in especially the propagation of the gospel. Many more things that will make it difficult. We should not be afraid of these things. The saints of old have faced it in their time. We will face it in our time and we will overcome. I say we will overcome in the name of Jesus. Then I'll move to the next one. These last two are the afflictions that we allow ourselves. We give the opportunity to the devil to afflict us in these two ways, which gives me the third one to mention. What was the first one? By probation, very good. What was the next one? The second one? By persecution. Number three, by omission. What I call omission. This is orchestrated by the devil as a result of our spiritual carelessness and ignorance. When we are spiritually careless, Matthew chapter 13 verse 24, the Bible called it when men slept. When we don't pray and we just are laxed, 
The devil is always looking for such crevices when we are down spiritually. Many times we fall into sins and we fall into afflictions because we are just being very careless spiritually. We don't pray, we don't engage with the word of God, we don't fast as we ought to. And it opens the door for the enemy to come and afflict. Look at what happened in Matthew 13 verse 24. Let's read together. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So this is a good man. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The devil will not succeed to sow tears in your life. In the name of Jesus. This is what happened, I believe, to the church in Acts chapter 12. We're not going to turn to it. But I would like you to write down. Let's help the children to settle. I would like you to write down Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, and Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, and Acts chapter 12. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 10, Peter was sent to, he was reached at Joppa to, to go to Cornelius' house and he ministered and there was a great revival among the Gentiles through the life of Cornelius. Acts chapter 11, we saw a situation where Saul, who is just being converted, now links up with Barnabas and a spark of a new revival started. We also read at the end of Acts chapter 11 that relief was sent to believers in Judea because famine was uh, prophesied to be happening there in some time. So there was a spiritual vibrancy. There was a, a wholesomeness of the church. There was hope. But I believe that what we read in Acts chapter 12 from verse 1 about Herod going forth with impunity to seize James, the brother of John, and killing him without any restraint was a state, I believe, of prayerlessness by the church. Why do I know this? The Bible says, please read Acts chapter 12 from verse 1 to 11. We don't have time. Note it down in your notes, I beg of you. Acts chapter 12 verse 1 to 11. The Bible says that, and when he saw that the thing pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. And he actually got a hold of Peter as well and put him in prison. Then the church woke up. The church woke up and they prayed. And as soon as the church prayed, we know that the deliverance came. So I believe very strongly that there was an, a, a little moment of omission by the church. This easily comes when we are in a place of comfort. When you are in a place of comfort and rest, many times we pray less. Many times we are less sensitive spiritually. Many times we don't hear God as we ought to. Many of us would hear God when we are praying in times of trouble. You will hear God because you want to hear God. <laughs> there is trouble. And there is a situation you are praying, your spiritual antenna will be rife. But when everything is working smoothly, everything is going all okay, if care is not taken at that time, even God is speaking, you are not hearing. Because you are so relaxed. I believe very strongly that the, the affliction that comes by omission is as a result of spiritual laxity. And may God continue to help us to prevent the enemy from coming in in this way. In the name of Jesus. And then the fourth type of, commission, of, um, of um, affliction is by commission. Say affliction by commission. Say affliction by commission. This one is more serious. 
This one is the one that is orchestrated by the devil as a result of our own willful sin. This one is not just that we were careless and the devil came in. This one is what we allow the devil to do because we have gone to take his property. The Bible says to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. King James, original King James version says, he that breaks the hedge, the serpent will bite. We know that the serpent is the devil. Yeah? There is a hedge around you as a believer. That is why when God was speaking with Satan, when Satan was speaking to God about Job, he said, have you not placed a hedge around him? So I can't reach him. He said, you take down that hedge. And that hedge remained there because Job was not a sinner. Job was a righteous man. So that hedge was there. So there was no way the hedge could be taken down except Job committed sin. And the devil knows that he could not access him except that hedge comes down. So he went to God and said, take down the hedge. <laughs> because this man, there's no, nothing he can do that will make the hedge come down. So you take down the hedge. And God now said, okay, I'll take down the hedge, afflict him, but you will not be able to access his soul. You cannot touch his, his, his life. So when we sin, what we do is that we willfully allow the devil to come in because sin always breaks the hedge. The Bible says whoever breaks through that hedge, the serpent will bite. The serpent will not bite you. I said the serpent will not bite you. The devil knows this very much and so he tempts us more than anything to make sure that the hedge keeps coming down. You all know that my great scriptural mentor is King David himself and the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12 this Bible character thrills me a lot. A man who knows so much about God. I was speaking to a group of colleagues at a training session last Monday uh, for leadership and I was saying to them that David intrigues me a lot. He's the man who demonstrated the full spectrum of what it is to be with God. The full spectrum. To be the strong man with God and to be the weakest man with God. We found it in the life of David. When he committed one of the biggest atrocities of his uh, life in the sin of adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, his servant, and also killed the man or organized the, the, the killing of the man, the Bible says in chapter 12, Nathan confronted him and he said this word. This is why we must see that affliction is allowed, we allow affliction when we sin. Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 9. The Bible says, let's read together. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? This is Nathan speaking to David after his sin. He said, to do what? Evil in his sight. You have Killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. Somebody say number two. And have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. The two things you have done here are grievous. Look at verse 10. Now look at what Nathan said to David. Let's read together clearly. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. The capital me there is is, is God and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife and of course we know what the prophet said he said you did it in the secret God will expose 
are a shame to you in the open. So it was an affliction that came to David because of his own carelessness, his own sin. And verse 13, the Bible says, so David said to Nathan, let's read verse 13 together, verse 13. It says, so David said to Nathan, I have against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. But if we read further, he said, but the child that will be born will die. And of course, the child died. David tried everything he could, but the child died. What am I trying to say here? Let us understand that when we willfully sin, what we are doing is that we are allowing the devil to come in. This is why we must do everything we can to allow God to keep giving us the wisdom. The devil doesn't mind however you allow affliction to come. Whether you willfully sin, whether you are careless about prayer and careless about your spiritual life, or whether you just simply do not know, you are just ignorant of what he can do, it doesn't matter to him. His own is to kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God will keep giving us victory over him in the name of Jesus. I want to quickly end this by telling us three things that we must understand about affliction so that we can make the most of them. So what are the four ways, before I go on, what are the four ways again? By probation, by persecution by omission and by commission. So you can remember those very easily. Now, three things that we need to make the most of affliction. Number one, afflictions are only permitted to the proportion of our ability or capacity. Afflictions are only permitted by God. Whether we sin, whether we are ignorant, whether God himself is testing us, whether it is a case of we just were lazy in the spirit by omission, God never ever allows any affliction to come to you and I if we do not have the capacity to bear it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will make a way, also make a way of escape that you may be able to what? Bear it. So you must let this, anytime you find yourself in an affliction, always remind yourself, I have the capacity to take this. I have the capacity to take this. Whether as an individual, whether as a, 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 a family, whether as a church, it is the promise of God that he will never allow any affliction that you cannot bear to come your way. And God will keep giving you the capacity in Jesus' name. Number one. Then number two. Afflictions could come many, but our victory through and over them is always assured. This is one of our theme scriptures for the week. Psalm 34 verse 19. Psalm 34 verse 19. Let's read that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Somebody say all. all. Somebody say all. all. Every kind of affliction you will ever go through, God will deliver you out of them all. Praise the Lord. This is important to know because at times we, we, we tend to feel this particular affliction is too much. 
when you are facing an affliction you have never seen before, if you have ever had a headache and it was very serious and you prayed and God helped you and you relaxed and it went off, when it comes next time, you have this kind of confidence that, oh, I've had this one before and it came. But when you have a particular kind of pain in your body or something that you have never seen before, I tell you, the devil can suggest all kinds of things to you. The devil will tell you, do you know that is a sign of cancer? <laughs> because he knows you don't know it. And you'll be looking, what is this? But the Bible says, there might be an affliction, but the Lord delivers me out of them all. When you know that there is no affliction that is permitted to consume you, you will not be afraid in afflictions. Hallelujah. You will cease to be afraid in, in afflictions. John 16 verse 33, Jesus himself said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have tribulation. Again, to confirm that afflictions will come. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Tell your neighbor for me, never be afraid of what the devil can do. Always remember what Christ has already done. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome. Jesus said to you, look, I have overcome. I have already done it. Don't worry. Don't worry. Tell your neighbor for me, the bill has been paid by Jesus Christ himself. So whether you sin, whether you did not sin, whether it is ignorance, whatever the devil has used to bring affliction, the bill has been paid already in the name of Jesus. Finally, I want to say to you, every period of affliction, number three, every period of affliction should help us understand the ways of God the more. Learn through affliction. If something suddenly starts to happen around you, take time to learn. Say, Lord, what am I to learn from this? If there is a sudden uh, disruption in your body, ask yourself, is there anything I need to change about my, my person? Because many times, a lot of sicknesses that come to us is because of certain kind of lifestyles. It's kind of certain kind of lifestyles. If you are a certain age, there are certain kind of things you should eat reasonably. Don't just eat them and eat them and say, I like eating them. <laughs> eat them, but reasonably. Or not at all, if you can if you, you are 40 years old, you eat chocolate like somebody who is 15, then you are doing yourself more disservice. Don't say the devil is afflicting you because you are the one afflicting your body with chocolate. <laughs> or too much sugar and things like that. We need to look at these things and learn. So when the thing is giving us a sign, Mike Mudok said something that I like. He said, pain is not an enemy. It's just the evidence that you have an enemy. Write that down. Pain is, is not my word. It's Mike Mudok. Say, pain is not an enemy, but it is a sign that I have got an enemy. So anytime you feel pain, if there is a pain in a relationship, it means there is an enemy of disagreement, an enemy of strife, an enemy that has come in misunderstanding. So that emotional pain is not the enemy. It is the sign that there was an enemy. Anytime you feel pain in your body, that means there was an enemy. And so we must learn. What do I need to learn from this? Psalm 119 Verse 67. As I start to bring this to a close, he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. <laughs> David said, Before I was afflicted, this is Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. 
Affliction I learned. That is to say, I learned from my previous affliction. And so now I keep your word. I no longer do the things that allowed me to be afflicted. Verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Verse 71. Verse 71. He said, it is good for me. I want you to read this yourself. Because this is in the Bible. These are some of the verses. When we read up to that point, we we jump over it. (laughs) Let's read it together. This is Bible. Read it now with me. Shout it. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Uh-huh. Believers don't like this one. They say, ah, what is good about affliction? They say, let me not confess it. Whether you will confess it or not, it is good for you and I. At times, some afflictions are good to prevent us from the greater evil that, the, that is planned for us by the enemy. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever you are going through now is a light affliction. It's a light affliction. Do you know that those of us in the Western world and those who are listening to this across the world, especially in other countries uh, that are not purely sort of Western and Western lifestyle, would agree with me that what we call affliction and pain here, many people will say, give it to me in some countries. <laughs> they will say, give it to me. You say, oh, I had horrendous drive to work today. I was two hours on the motorway. Oh, such a frustrated day. <laughs> some people will tell you, please, come and face what I am facing. <laughs> when I'm dealing with arm robbers on the road to get to work, then you will know that it's a very different life. If it is just to wait in traffic for two hours, that is no affliction at all. The Bible says they are light. And it's working, it's only for a moment, and it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 